Hello and welcome to the Louisville Real Estate Insiders, the Mike Gandolfo, the principal broker at RE Solutions, and Brian, the mortgage guy. We are here to help answer any real estate questions that you have to make sure that you're educated and you can make the best decisions for you uh, when it comes. We want you to be empowered, educated, uh, and ready to go to make incredible decisions. So if you have a question, put it in the comment section and uh, we'll try to get to it um, as we go about it. So Brian... How are rates? Everybody wants to know well, how are rates. Have we gotten better the last, since last week? Because it seems like we might have. No, 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 they haven't. So, and I literally just checked you know, 20 minutes ago. Uh, conventional against 700, 700 credit score, 5% down purchase. They're still like at seven and three eighths. So what about a 20% down purchase? 20% down. They will probably be about that same interest rate. So, whether you put down 5% or you put down 10%, you get a slightly better rate than if you put down 20%. The investor is actually protected when the mortgage has private mortgage insurance from day one. And that PMI will forever be on there with a conventional mortgage. Uh, then also FHA or USDA. It is always going to be there. I'm telling you, ever since the loan level pricing adjustments were changed for conventional, it's made it tough for the people that are not a first-time buyer or that don't fit into that special little that special little area. Because uh, I priced out a first-time buyer. I priced it out like with a 700 credit score and then a 780. They can get down to 6.625, which would feel much better for a lot of people. And then oddly enough, the, you know, that difference in payments about about $81 a month. Not a ton of money. But it's what most of us pay for our cable bill. So somebody said, hey, free cable for the next 30 years. Where do I sign up? There, there it is. All right. Well, and like our conversation uh, was today during our, our meeting, I think sometimes the rate can be a little bit of a distractor. Right. Um, did you agree with that comment from, I mean, earlier today? Oh, 100%. Typically, three things, I guess, are what, are, are what a, a buyer or a hopeful buyer will look for. They want the best rate. They want the lowest closing costs, and they want to bring the least amount of money to closing. And unfortunately, the lowest rate will probably cost you the most. And, and in this kind of market, it, it's just my opinion. Uh, five, six years ago, people were paying points to buy down the interest rates, and it was making sense in a lot of cases. In today's market, where we're still a, a firm believer that we'll see interest rates lower in the upcoming you, by the end of the year, I wouldn't pay points. The only time I guess that it might make sense is if there's money come from, coming from the seller, you know, and you want to and you want to buy down the rate. Well, let me let me take that on because really, what you're choosing to do, oh. If you, oh, you know, I don't believe in this. Right? I know, I know. Now, not not that I don't believe in like uh, like if in doing it that way and getting the closing. First off, with the the tight inventory out there, it's almost impossible to get a seller to put that into the original agreement that they are going to pay a portion of the buyer's prepaids and or closing costs. But if you are a seller or a buyer out there, you need to listen to this right now. There is no such thing unless there's a cash payment. There's no such thing as seller pay closing costs for the buyer. All you're choosing to do is work the closing costs into the deal and finance those closing costs. They're, the the seller's not giving you anything. 
if the if the seller if the let's just say it's a three hundred thousand dollar house and there's six thousand dollars worth of, worth the of closing costs that you are asking for the seller to cover, that's not, that that is a sales price of two ninety four to that seller all day long, and they would rather take two ninety four with no closing costs than three hundred thousand dollars with the closing uh, costs in there. So you are all you're doing is financing the closing costs. You are not, the seller's not giving you anything. The seller is going to live in their net every time if they've got good leadership and good and a good agent. There's no such things as seller paid closing costs. It is strictly the, the way, just the same way that uh, uh, we pay the commission for the real estate agent. It's really no different. You know, there's a, there's a lot yeah, of legal scuttlebutt. It's a very hot topic everywhere right now because, <laughs> you know, it's it's being thrown out there like uh, that the buyer should separately pay for their uh, for the real estate commission, and the buyer pays the real estate commission every single time. They just have it come out of the seller side so that they can work it into the deal, right. and that is basically what people just don't fully understand of how of how it works, and um, so. The, again, it's just a way to put the closing costs into the deal so you can finance it so you need less cash available up front. The same thing is if you have, again, this is all applying to whether or not you're getting a mortgage, okay? Because if you're paying cash, the, the rules are a little different. But if you're negotiating repairs and you're like, hey, instead of doing this $5,000 repair, let's reduce the sales price, price $5,000, you're not doing yourself a favor. All you're doing is getting a thousand dollars more that you can borrow in a case of a 20% loan and having $4,000 less on your mortgage. So go ahead. So in your opinion, at what point does it make sense to negotiate closing costs by increasing the purchase price? What's your opinion on that? Like when to do it? Yeah. Market specific for sure. Right. So, um, one of the things I would do right now is like if I'm competing, it's it would be uh, almost impossible. And you've got to go in knowing that you may or may not be able to do it. I, I think a skilled conversation that we can have agent to agent is after the deal is agreed upon amongst the purchase price, let's go back to that $300,000 price point. And then we I'm say, hey, you on. I'm sure can, can we increase the sales price $6,000 and then get a and then get a credit back for my client's closing costs for $6,000. Now, here's the risk, right? The risk always comes up with, will it appraise? And um, and then so you need to really be able to think through that on whether or not it's going to appraise or not for the amount of money that you need to have have it go. And, and again, I... It's, I, I don't, you don't want to be dishonest. You don't want to lead a person on. You better be able to perform whether or not the seller says yes or no. Uh, for a lot of people, it just money's still cheap, believe it or not, even at 7% where it makes sense for them to want to do that. So um, that's what, that's where I would say. I, I like, I personally have had success trying to do it after we've came, kind of gotten to that agreed upon purchase price. Uh, so that the seller knew that they were get, what they were getting, and when I asked for the six thousand dollars more, they could see that we were adding it on, and so that their net didn't change. Because okay. a lot of sellers, they see giving that buyer credit, and they just feel like they're giving something away, even though they just can't wrap their head around the fact that, that it's the net that they're worried about. 
so when a seller's agent, when a buyer's agent approaches you, uh, do you prefer a phone call, a text? Do you want it on the contract? Like, you know, like how should they, how should they bring it up with you knowing how strong you feel about it? Brian, this is a great question, by the way. And this is uh, a, a deal that I, uh, I'm sort of going through right now in a, in a lot of ways is I reached out and, and had some personal contact with the agent. And I'm telling you right now, um, the one-on-one personal contact with the agent um, is is priceless because when we can kind of feel some sort of camaraderie, I can get some sort of sense of how the person works. Because listen, I think a lot of the things for the seller who are basically getting high dollar for their properties right now because our inventory is still just historically low, a lot of the things for the seller is not necessarily the fact of how much they're getting because they're getting more than probably what they expected. But it's, will this person actually be able to do what they're saying they're going to do? Will they be able to close? And um, and I know for a fact that a rapport with the agent on the other side can sometimes just give them a level of comfort of knowing, hey, okay, I feel really good about this one getting getting to the closing table and closing. And uh, it's it's really an important piece, I think, about Again, we call it cooperating commission. And so cooperating means that there needs to be some verbal exchange back and forth and that we've got to work together and try to get something done. Um, too much is left to digital communication. And listen, I get caught in that trap too. There's t- there's definitely times out there where I communicate too much digitally and I get in a rush and I, and I shouldn't do that. So uh, we need to have – we need to have – you know, it's it's one of the major changes that's happened in the real estate business since I got licensed in 2006. Is this the lack of ability to kind of build rapport with with your with our peers? Um, and it's really important. And it's important too. Like when we make an offer, Brian, I typically don't like to put pre approval letters right with my offers. What do I like to do? Oh, you love to CC me, I guess, as your go to lender. And then what do you get to do? Uh, first thing I do is I see if I've worked with that agent before or anybody in their office. Okay. Always, again, in my CRM, I have all of my closed sales that go back as far as 2014. So I'm doing a search under their name to see if we worked together before. Uh, and then also looking to see, looking to make sure that, that it was a good experience and that we closed as promised. So when I make that outbound phone call, I want to come from a place of comfort right off the bat letting them know that I recall working with them previously. Uh, I'm also looking up the seller's names. I'm looking at the tax records just so I can reference Mr. or Ms. Wilson, you know, in every which way. Or if I see that it's in a trust, I talk about that as well. You let them know that we work with a title company that can reach out immediately just to review the trust doc so we don't run into any problems that people have had before. Yeah, so I'm always coming from a place of comfort. And when you're asking for closing costs, I let them know over the phone, you know, we don't need those closing costs to perform, but financially speaking, it makes sense. Bathroom hasn't been updated since 98. They want to sink $7,500 into replacing, you into replacing part of it. You know, it's a good financial move for them to bring less money to closing so it can become a home at a faster rate. Or, uh, and also, by the way, Brian, you do a great job of making sure that you kind of explain the qualifications and the process that you went through to qualify someone so that it's not just, um, you know, so from some lenders, when we're getting offers on the other side, it's literally a Word document that the agent could change the purchase, <laughs> the pre approval price for on their own. Um, 
Uh, no, no joke. It's scary. Brian actually does a great job of if he says if he gives a pre-approval, it means that he is very, 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 very like ninety-nine point nine percent confident that it's going to close, and I, and your pre-approvals mean something because of it. And um, and it also I think it does a good like it just makes us look good like we're working as a team um, and that we're in communication and that we're not operating in silos uh, as far as like how that goes. Yeah. Um, I think it, I think it makes a huge difference. By the way, we got Chad here, I guess, uh, saying, "Hey, out there." So, Chad, if you got a question, put it in the hey. comment section. Chad, yeah. a buddy of yours. Yeah. So, Chad, he's an old Vala buddy of mine. All right. All right. Good uh, deal. Yeah, and he, I believe, he works for for a huge wireless company at the moment uh, on the commercial side of it. It's been a long time since I've seen him. Well, maybe I need to talk to Chad about you know what we're doing with our cell phones around here. So I don't know. <laughs> Do it. Do it. All right. Um, what else? What about us about that, Brian? I mean, I think that's, I think those kind of things right now, too, when we're talking about multiple offers that are a little bit more manageable in the five to eight multiple offer range, like those personal touches definitely make a huge difference right now, yeah. too. Yep. I'm also like walking through the contract, letting them know that the interest rate's shown that we're within that range to closing timeframes. I'll always say, hey, is there an ideal closing timeframe that would best suit your client? Because sometimes when they hear it a second time from the person with the, with the, with the checkbook, they may be a little more forthcoming, yeah, but I always come from a place of trying to make it make sense for everybody without, without getting into your lane in, 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 in any way. I always want to respect that. Um, speaking of respect, I think we'd be remiss, Brian, if we didn't just like, just send a shout out to our friends at old national or anybody who was imp impacted yesterday by the shooting. We're all, we were all impacted by the shooting yesterday. I, I'm, I've, uh, it's been very distracting for me and just to know that there's people out there who, who I know who knew these people who were connected to the people who passed away and um, or that are injured. And uh, that old national is a bank that I use uh, that Chrissy and I both use for our personal accounts. And uh, it's just, uh, it's a tragic event here in Louisville. It's a tough time to be around here, but we uh, we're here for you. I mean, we really are. So um, if you, even if you just got to come over here and just, you know, have a quiet place to sit and drink a cup of coffee. We're here for you. An outstanding cup of coffee. It is an outstanding cup of coffee. Yep. That yep. is not a joke. Yep. You can sit in silence. You can watch TV. Yeah. Whatever you need. Um, beyond that, Brian, I think we'll cut this one and we'll see everybody. Actually, I will not be here next week. So are you going to plan on trying to do this on your own or how are we going to do this? Because like, uh, I'm the tech guy. And, or it's, I'm a tech guy, but StreamYard, it's, it, it's a different creature for me. All right. So we might be taking the week off next week. <laughs> hey, however, I get to do all the talking. You know, I'm, I'm a that fan is of true. That. Yeah, people will listen. I will talk, especially about about mortgages and about real estate. We got. A, I will be out at the National Association of Realtors Broker Summit in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, so I'll be getting some more education uh, that I can bring back to everybody. And uh, loved. It. I can't wait. We're gonna get some uh, some of the the National Association of Realtors take on what's going on in the industry, what's going on with the with the market in general, what are their projections. So I'll have a whole lot of stuff to come back with in two weeks. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you later. Take care, everybody.